Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's luck on the family, we chose this one. This is episode 168, bonus episode, an interview with Linda Boyd. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And this is an interview that we just did with Linda Boyd, who plays Ms. Boswell. Ms. Boswell. In uh, Tokyo Drift. And we talked to her about Tokyo Drift and the Fastiverse and the X-Files and Supernatural and Dude. all sorts of stuff. And it was wonderful. And she's great, right? She's just like a super pleasant person. That was super, like, I was so impressed with how awesome she was to us and like all of her fun stories. Like, yeah, that was great. I'm like still geeked about it. Like I'm still, I'm riding this wave a little bit. How are you feeling? Oh, it's great. I am. I feel, I'm right there with you. I hope you all enjoy it. It was a blast and you will hear it now. On Tuesday, we'll be back with Fast and Furious Six, and the most recent episode that was just out is Game of Death, so make sure you check that out. But here, without further ado, check out our interview with Linda Boyd. This is very exciting. So as everybody who's listening knows, this is our Tokyo Drift lap, so we are diving deep into the world of Tokyo Drift, and we have with us... So. Well, first of all, I want to welcome to the show Linda Boyd. Welcome, Linda. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. It's great. It might sound crazy to you, but your character, your one scene (laughs) and the scene after it has led to not an argument is the wrong word, but like one of the biggest questions that we have legitimately in the history of this franchise. It is crazy to me. (laughs) What? So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was the perfect reaction, actually. I just totally zoned out. I'm going, I'm remembering the scenes. I'm yes. Like, so, no, I mean, is this a question? <laughs> well, so, okay. So, I mean, there's there's no reason that anybody should ever read into it. Like, this is just our eighth time watching it on the on the show and whatever. And so I want to I want to build up to that, please, okay. because I think I, I, I set the bar too high. But welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. In terms of Tokyo Drift, let's start there because that's like the, the thrust of our show. What was your, did you have a history with? the franchise before you were cast in this movie or how did that all come about actually this is a wild story i had gone and auditioned down in los angeles because i was down there i i lived there off and on for seven years Mm -hmm. i auditioned and i didn't get the part oh and then about a year later i was up in vancouver i don't know what the hell just hanging out and my agent from la called and said hey guess what they they're going to be finished the movie they're going to release it in june this is may oh wow the director always wanted you for the part of the mom and so he's finally been given permission to recast it and Ooh. so they flew me down there and it was just all really quick and you know it was something i had auditioned for a year prior and had forgotten about basically anyway it was really fun i went down there we you know, established the hair, makeup and stuff and um, shot it all in one day. And the cool thing about all that was for me, as a kid, I had gone to Disneyland and Universal and went on that little famous tram ride. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, of course. That was when I decided one day I'm going to come back here and make a movie. Oh, wow. It took me 35 years, but I was sitting in my trailer and I heard the tram go by. I went, oh my God, I did it. I actually, that's so cool <laughs> that's really cool yeah. yeah no it was really fun it was really fun so they had like the rest of the movie done and then they said let's come back in and fix this scene yeah. and deliver the performance that we always wanted i guess it was just additional photography basically it was just me that day and then they cut me into the movie and released it a month later i was i was gonna ask um where was the set for that because it, it, it looks really like a police station oh yeah no it's totally a, just in some building at universal backlot yeah, no, it's, it was just built to look like 
I mean, most cop shows, that's what it's like. It's like there's no roof anywhere because they have lighting above. Ah, true. But yeah, it almost reminds me of a dollhouse. <laughs> well, like looking at your IMDb, I mean, I want to come back to Tokyo Drift, but you have been in so many things and it is love. amazing. So I'm sure you have yeah. seen every type of set, every type of location, every type of, you know, dollhouse, yeah. like you said, right? I had some really fun, crazy. Actually, I lived in Tokyo at one point. Oh, really? You did? That's cool. I lived there from 1990. I got a one year working holiday visa. I only lasted six months, came home for a break because I found it so intense there. Everything in Tokyo for me was off the graph, like either the best, craziest experience I've ever had up to now or really crappy. Oh, no. <laughs> and there's a lot of reasons for that. Like there's, you know, during the day, 18 million people were there. Like this is 30 years ago. Yeah. And I was like, I had bleach blonde hair and I kind of <laughs> stuck out like a sore thumb. <laughs> <laughs> you know, women's lib hadn't quite arrived there yet in 1990. And I, but, you know, I was yelling at people on subway trains at night, <laughs> staring at me. And I go, what are you looking at? <laughs> and they're called skebe. That's what you call a drunk salary man. You call him skebe, which means. Ooh, I like that. That's a good, that's a word we got to start using, Joe. Skebe. Oh my God, I'm having all these flashbacks now because I no, have- that's wonderful. So because I was looking at like it looks like you kind of started doing some like voiceover stuff and some English dubbing of like Japanese Isn't work. That is that weird? is that why you went over there? No, it's so crazy. Okay, this is this will take up probably the whole podcast, but <laughs> okay, they brought a lot of these movies to Vancouver and we would dub them in English. Okay. They were either animated things, like apparently I did um some Street Fighter. Oh, that's cool. Cartoons. I don't even remember it. My my grandson, <laughs> he plays Street Fighter on a video games. And I was like, Street Fighter? Did this dubbing stuff. I didn't really get into film and television until X-Files because I grew up in theater. Mm -hmm. I had been in bands before that. Like I was a professional singer in bands. X-Files came to town and all of us theater actors were kind of going, what's, oh, television. I want to be part of that. So everyone... Yeah started taking how to act in front of a camera classes. I want to ask about the X-Files because like we were saying, like right before we started, like that is probably my favorite show of all time. And so yeah. you have, yeah. and I think it seems like, you know, I, I'm rewatching the show with a couple of friends right now. We're, in the, we're at the end of season three. And it seems like one thing that we've noticed is that a lot of actors, a lot of Canadian actors yeah. like yourself seem to come back multiple times in multiple yeah. different parts. Like it's always just like a, oh, we need somebody here. We need somebody there. And we've worked with them before or whatever. So that was Chris Carter. He was extremely loyal to to the Vancouver acting pool. Oh, that's that's, cool. that's excellent. We we kind of noticed that with Justin Lin too. He seems to be pretty loyal to the people that he you know brings back. And it seems like you know your quick story about him remembering you a year yeah. or a year later is like that's the memory. That's the the devotion kind of. Yeah, it is. It's, there's quite a few that have been up here for the last thirty years that are like. There's a director named David Nutter who, when I first went, sure. down, was extremely helpful. He directed a lot. Of, he's kind of known as the pilot king. Like he directed the pilot of X Files. He directed Millennium. All the big shows that needed him at the helm, you know, he was the pilot guy. He helped me tremendously down there. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it was a real reciprocity because I think American producers and directors found it refreshing that everybody here was so keen because it was this new thing that was happening. People worked their butts off and now we have world-class crew, world-class and yeah, pretty cool. So so for that first X-Files that you were on, where you play, I think, Woman in Bar, like, <laughs> the, the crazy thing, though, is like you look at the credit, you're like, oh, that might not be memorable. But like that is a, a kind of an iconic X-Files scene where you 
come up to a guy at a bar and you yeah. ask for a light of the cigarette and then he sets his arm on fire and sets the bar on fire. So like <laughs> in a very kind of memorable early episode, you've got a really kind of important role. So like, do you have memories of that? Was that like, was there actually fire? Like, I don't know how like that long ago what the CGI was like, but what was that like shooting that scene? Okay, because I've had a couple of X-Files and crazy stunt type things. Yes. yes. <laughs> they put like a, I can remember correctly, like a tube along the bar or something. And I think it was a very controlled flame. Yeah, I can't, and I know Mark, the actor that played the crazy guy mm-hmm. who let himself on fire, he had, a, of course, a protective glove then. I guess that had some kind of flammable material on it. You know what? I think I was just so bloody nervous <laughs> on a Hollywood set. Like, I hardly noticed anything that day. Or I think it was two days. Because the other, and I, I Joe is not a, uh, I don't want to speak speak uh, on behalf of him, but he's not a huge X-Files fan. But he, I just I had never watched watch it. Yeah, I had him watch the episode today because the other one, like, it seems like it's it was one that we watched this year and it was like, oh, this is crazy how time because it's about a pandemic and it's about, uh, you know, a contagion. You mean the FMASCA lab? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought of that, actually. It was so timely. There's a couple early X-Files episodes that are about that. And this one where it's just like, you know, a global pandemic or not or, or on the verge of becoming a global pandemic. But you there's that really disgusting scene where like there's like, a little <laughs> pustule that like explodes in your face and you like run to the bathroom. So I like, became known as the pus lady at my son's school. <laughs> no, no. I aired on a Friday night, and then Monday I got the grand title of pus lady. Oh, man. You know what that was? That was actually some kind of, like, um, clear gelatin. Okay. They added a bit of baby powder to give it kind of a milky texture. They had a tube on John Tench's face, and the special effects guy, the first time he did it, it kind of came out like one little spurt hung off my chin. Looked like I was drooling. And so they went, oh, we're going to need to up the... Uh, oh. <laughs> it actually hurt my face when it hit me. That's why oh, was, man. Because oh. the special effects guy, I don't know what he was pumping through there. Air, I guess. I guess he turned it from 1 to 11. And next thing I'm, <laughs> I'm getting smashed in the face with this. Stuff, and it hurt. It kind of whipped my face a bit. Anyway, very funny. I forgot about all those crazy times on X-Files because that was a while ago. When you, when you come back for the second episode, is that something that they would remember you or do you have to like audition a second time? Because I mean, it's like a year or more apart, so it's not exactly like back to back, but how does that work? I remember Chris Carter was in my audition when I auditioned for the first Oh, wow. Okay. One. It was, I don't think it was an offer. Um, in fact, I do remember going to the uh, audition. It was a guy named Bowman. Rob Bowman directed that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I did audition for that. And I was just grateful that they gave me another, even a bigger part. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty that's big. so cool. Because, like, yeah. there's other people, like, you know, like, there's a guy who, like, finally eventually has a character name, but he's, like, in five or six different episodes. It's, like, five or six different people. And just, like, there, I think he was, like, a Latino man. Like, how many, I guess there's not, maybe not a ton of Latino men up in Vancouver. It just seemed like he kept coming back as, like, <laughs> Latino <laughs> truck driver or something. Exactly. Like, I mean, I think a lot of smart actors, wherever they were from, whether it's Toronto or Georgia, sure. they all found a way to get to Vancouver. And now, because of the pandemic and because we have such world-class crews here, like, there's like 60 things filming. in oh, and that's crazy. Right that's now. crazy. It is. And and I actually worked on, like I said, I worked on a, a show for Netflix last fall and I did another Canadian show. I did 12 episodes. 12 episodes of television last fall. You know, once you get over the fact that everyone's wearing a mask and a face shield 
and you're getting a Q-tip stuffed up your nose twice a week to make sure you don't have COVID, I think everybody was just so keen to get back to work. So yeah, yeah, it was good. It was fun during a pandemic. How to have fun during a pandemic. Yeah, from what I've heard, it's it's crazy, but like it seems like it's almost safer to be on a movie set than anywhere else because they're oh, taking yeah. it so seriously. I agree with you. I, everything is like there's actually on a crew, uh, when you look at the call sheet, there's always the list of all the crew. They've got a whole new category of COVID protocol people. There's at least 20 people oh. who are just there to check you in every morning, check your temperature, make sure that you are wearing your mask, make sure that you're social distancing. Nobody got sick. Nobody even got a cold because how could you? Yeah. Right? So it was. I felt actually really safe. And it's good that people are back to work too. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. After six months of... Now, mind you, during that lockdown, I, I, I had this epiphany that maybe maybe I'll never get in front of a camera again. Like, what's happening Ooh. in the world? And so right. I just started eating everything I had. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah, we do that all the time. We're not even worried about cameras. <laughs> well, I put on the COVID-20. I gained 20 pounds during that lockdown because I was just making lasagna and any old thing I felt like and eating it. And plus, I was in lockdown with my, my son and my sister and my grandson. So we actually had a nice little bubble. We had That's a cool. lot of fun. I had to join a boot camp and <laughs> turn this boat around. <laughs> So I have, a, I have a question. So it looks like I was trying to find this and I couldn't find it online, but it looks like you directed a short film, Arbor Vitae. And the reason I bring that up now, because I would love to hear about it, but I'm also curious because one of the, it looks like one of the main actors in that was one of the kind of prominent X-Files yeah. guys yeah. and William B. Davis. So I'm wondering if you met him while doing your episodes or if he was just around or like, I'd love to just hear about the short in, in general, but also how he got involved. William um, had an acting studio here for years. Okay. William okay. Davis Acting Center. And I took classes with him. And That's I awesome. really liked him as a person. He was a very paternal coach for actors. Anyway, and then, of course, he became Cancer Man. And that threw his, you know, his profile into worldwide. Um, but he's always been the same guy. So when I wanted to do a film, I sent it to him and said, would you, would you be this mysterious man? And he's like, sure. Yeah. So he just showed up for free on a Saturday afternoon. Oh. Yeah, we filmed it in an abandoned... Uh, actually, we filmed... There's a place... We have a history of kind of mental institutions that were shut down, and they still have ghosts because some bad things wow. happened in these places. And that's sure. a lot of X-Files got shot. Oh. Riverview. Yeah, it was a penitentiary. It was also a mental institution, but the government closed it, most of it. And so a lot of films that want that creepy vibe. So my film has a creepy vibe to it, set in a hospital. And so uh, we used this area of the hospital that I had actually shot in that same year. I did Final Destination 2. Yeah. And there was some hospital type scenes in that. And I just reused their sets because nobody tore them down. Ah. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. Very, yeah. very cool. Is that film available online to see anywhere or no? I don't know. Like, I, I, you know, it wasn't that good, to be honest. I did it. Oh, no. <laughs> I did. I based it on. I did a vision quest in 1999. I went. Oh wow! Okay. The Mojave Desert with a bunch of people and two Jungian therapists. And at one point, you have to break off from the group and go into the desert and fast for three days. Sure. Okay. Until you receive your vision, and there's no peyote involved. Just fasting in 100 degree weather. You kind yeah. of yeah. 
kind of whacked out anyway. And I started dreaming about my own death. On the final night of the vision quest, you stay up all night in your circle of stones and you chant, pray, whatever for a vision. So I tried to make a film about that. That'd be hard to make a film about that, right? Yeah, I just, I mean, it's it's an allegory. Nobody gets it. (laughs) (laughs) When I sent the script to William Davis, he went, we're all doing it. I just don't have a clue what it's about. Okay. Thanks, William, though. Thanks. And I did it because at that time, a lot of actors in town were getting, you know, shooting something. So they had a calling card. If they got on a series, they could go, hey, I'd like to direct an episode. Look what I've directed. So I thought, sure. well, I'm going to do that, too. And what I discovered uh. is, for me, directing was like being pecked to death by a million mm. people. Like, it was too much. I, I didn't want to have to know what light filter and what I, all, all the technical stuff is overwhelming. I just like to coach actors. So I thought, well, then that's good. At least I know I don't want to be a director. And I still don't. (laughs) Well, it's good to know. It's good to know. Yeah, no, I just very clear. I know a lot of women actors up here in Canada, like Amanda Tapping, Megan Follows. Remember Amanda Tapping from Stargate, the original Stargate? Of course. Yes, yes. My dad loves Stargate. I know all about Stargate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she, I don't think she acts anymore. She, and she's considered one of the top directors in Canada. And I saw her one time a couple of years ago and I said, so man, I'm just so proud of you and everything. And what's it like? She goes, it's exhausting. (laughs) So she finds it exhausting. I know it's, I mean, you've got to be on 16 hours a day. I just don't have that energy or actually the focus to do it. So I'm very clear that I just want to be an actor for hire because that's what I like to do and I'm good at it. For sure. Absolutely. Speaking of Final Destination, it seems like, so we have another podcast on our network that's all about high school movies. So shout out to Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party. It seems like you've been in a bunch of different high school movies, yeah. and there's one there's one in particular that has found a great fanfare on the network, because it's actually been covered three different times. Joe and I covered it for a podcast we did about Channing Tatum, and there was one just about oh. high school movies and one about a female-led movie. So She's the Man yeah. with Amanda Bynes. Yeah. I wanted to know, uh, first off, uh, Islin, who is uh, the co-host of The Contenders, says hello. I was like, that's not really a question for Linda, but okay. <laughs> Islin says hello. Um, hello? But she, she wanted to know... Uh, if you had any kind of impressions, you know, what was, and Brian wants to know what it was like working with Amanda Bynes and just any memories you have of She's the Man. Oh my gosh. I had so much fun, like serious fun. Channing Tatum, that he hadn't like sort of broken out as the big No, star. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was super kind, like just a, you know, you get to the catering lineup and usually they make the actors go to the front of the line so that we can eat first. And then, cause we have to go into hair and makeup. You know, if he was ahead of me, he'd always go, oh, you have to go in front of me. Like, he was just the sweet kid. Oh, that's awesome. That's good to hear. Yeah, Amanda, she was kind of shy, actually. We didn't really talk all that much. And then Julie Haggerty, who played Amanda's mother in the movie, she she was a hoot. We had lots of fun together. God, that was a while ago. But the director, Andy Fickman, that was the second time I'd worked with Andy. I did um, Reefer Madness with him just prior to that. And then I just did a movie with him last year called Playing With Fire with John Cena. Yes, I was going to ask about that because as you might know, John Cena is going to be in the new Fast and Furious movie. So I was wondering if you have any, if you have any, uh, what, how should we prepare our, I mean, obviously we know John Cena from movies, but do you have any John Cena stories or uh, any insights into the man John Cena? Did you see him? I do because um, (laughs) he disappears whenever there's a camera set up or whatever. And he practices in his trailer he's teaching himself how to play piano oh wow that's awesome okay and then you see him in the movie he's playing the piano uh i don't know if you've seen the movie but he 
plays the piano for these little kids that are staying at the fire station. And that's because he learned how to play it himself. He's also learning Cantonese or Mandarin so that he can communicate with uh, his Asian fans. That's amazing. So cool. That's I think so cool. he's probably one of those incredibly disciplined people. Yeah. And I mean, he was didn't really talk much to me, but I'll tell you, Keegan-Michael Keyes and John Leguizamo, I freaking love those guys. They are both... Yeah, that was a great cast, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. They were just, I had the most fun with them sitting around between setups. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. We have a we have another question from one of our listeners, Wes, who is a huge fan of Supernatural. Oh, cool. It looks like sort of like the X-Files. It looks like you've played two different parts yeah. on that show in two different episodes, kind of seven. sort of really far apart. I think you were saying years, like seven years, seven years apart. And you kind of play two different sort of villains, it looks like. Yeah. He wanted to know what it was like if you if you preferred playing one of those characters over the other and uh, what it was like to play so two those sort of different parts so far apart. The first one was, I mean, it was great to be on Supernatural. And I, I think that was season eight. They had just found out that they'd been extended for three more seasons. So I, I had one shot at it. And then when this other one came along, actually I had to, I was offered a part, a guest star on Haunting of Bly Manor. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm watching that right now. Oh, okay. Right on. Okay. I'm going to think episode four. Anyway, mm-hmm. but at the exact same time, Supernatural came back and said, okay, yeah, we want to hire Linda for this episode. And I went, wow, I got to pick. And I picked Supernatural because it was their last season. Those guys are really fun. And I thought, yeah, and this is a great character playing someone who's like a, a, a goddess or you know, more like a demon, really. And then somehow Bly Manor worked around Supernatural and I got to do both. So that was That's cool. awesome. It seems like you have been, you've had a career of like, things just work out. I mean, if it's awesome. maybe just the Tokyo Drift and Blind Manor, but it seems like, you know, you're meant to be in these certain projects. I have, it's funny you said that because I have a, a, a saying I've typed out and it's taped on my laptop here and it says, things are always working out for me. That's awesome. And I have it taped on my dashboard in my car. And I'm telling you, like one of the hardest things about being an actor is the in-between time, you know, like here I am, it's February, almost the end of Feb. I haven't actually booked a job since last summer, but I worked all through the fall. I saved my money. You know, when I start going, oh, maybe they figured out I'm really not that good of an actor. And now no one's, you know what I mean? Like, but actors do that to themselves. They go, I'm a fraud. They've all figured it. They, who's ever they. Yeah. But that's the kind of thoughts where I have to go, no, things are always working out for me. So a lot of it is keeping my attitude super positive, really allowing jobs to come to me because I feel like there's enough for everybody. I really do. I love that. Yeah. We live in an abundant universe and I happen to live in an abundant city. There's everybody's winning. That's super cool. I should be a motivational speaker if this. You should. Absolutely. I'm, I'm getting I inspired feel, right now. Yeah, I feel moved. That was good. You got goosebumps. Like it's like yeah. Robin, <laughs> a lady. <laughs> so now, okay, I think we've we've built up to it enough. So I want to come back to Tokyo Drift because yeah. we have a very. So here, here we're gonna set the scene, right? So your your character's son played by Lucas Black, Sean, just keeps getting into trouble. You keep moving around different city, different city, different city. Yeah, I see something like our sixth town in two years or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you sort of inspire, you kick off not only this movie, but like the future of the franchise by sending his ass to Japan, right? You're like, get out of here. You really inspired. I can't move anymore. You are lot. really, you're you're the linchpin of the Fastiverse. I want you to know that. Like, I, I you inspired so much. I have to tell you, I didn't know that because I've actually never ever seen any other movies. 
in the prequel. So what's <laughs> weird awesome. about the movie that you're in is that they rearrange the timeline because they introduce a character in that movie that they loved and that dies in that movie, spoilers, and then they are like, how do we get him back? And so they wound up putting it after three other movies. Oh! You're in... objectively like the weirdest one and because you send sean to tokyo Mm -hmm. that's where we meet this new character yep like that's how you are the like you know the cornerstone of this whole thing going on there like we we interviewed uh, another actor he was just like he was a guest on our show talking about a movie but we we realized that he was the whole reason that the the tv show westworld happens because he (laughs) He makes one of the characters upset and like everything else unfolds. And so you, in a way, kind of inspire the next eight. And like, I, it's a little bit of a joke, but also like kind of like I could make it a very cohesive argument that like you inspire a great deal just by sending Sean to Tokyo. So thank you for that. Number thank one. You. I'd like a star on the Hollywood walk. So if you guys. Absolutely. <laughs> from Absolutely. Coast, or just I'll just get some cement and make my own. <laughs> So here's here's the question that we have for you, and I do not expect an answer because again, we are so in the weeds on this. But you send and we've gone back Sean and forth over and over to Japan, and when he gets there, yeah. he knocks on his dad's door. His dad has a a woman of the evening yeah. with him. His dad says, "Sean, I thought you were going to be here on the seventh. And Sean says, "Today is the seventh. And then he lets the woman out, and Sean comes in, and he's trying to explain why he was he had a prostitute in his home because you know his son is expected, and he says, "Blaming you, your mom. She said the seventh. See, we're a day ahead of you in Japan. So, Joe and I have spent honestly too much time talking about this. <laughs> so much time arguing. I mean, just back and forth. We're trying to figure out because somebody messed up." Either either the dad had a prostitute on the wrong night, or your character got the date wrong, or Sean is just being, he's a dumb high school kid, I don't know. But do you have any insight into what happened there, how, when your son arrives in Japan and inspires the rest of this franchise, why his dad has a prostitute that evening? Do you have any insight there whatsoever? And you can, if you don't, please feel free to make up an answer. (laughs) Actually, because I lived in Tokyo, the first thing that came to my mind was I lived in this guest house with a lot of um, English teachers from Australia and the UK. And I was there primarily to work as a singer and actor. But just around the corner, there were two vending machines. One was you could get little coffee drinks Mm -hmm. and the other was to um, rent porn. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And it's in full view. Anyone selecting a coffee can just glance over and go, Oh my god! And they pixelate pubic hair yeah. in Japan, so it's like a lot of pixelated pictures. In, <laughs> you know, there's there's that. Um, <laughs> that made no sense, but that's good insight. Good insight. I like it. Okay. You know what though? Like the thing is, the time change, the time difference in Japan is so big. Sure. That maybe someone didn't factor that in. Like when you said the dad were a day ahead in Japan, mm-hmm. so that would mean. <laughs> When the kid showed up and mom said the seventh, okay, this is really... This is where we are. Yeah. This I, th- is- I think what we, we eventually got to is that like when, when Chris Morgan wrote the script, he didn't actually kind of care. He's just like, we need conflict. We want to show that the dad, like, because the dad's a military man, whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like officer and gentleman, you know? Yeah. Remember that? I don't know. Richard Gere, his dad was mm-hmm. a drunken military guy who had prostitutes. Anyway, oh, so okay, so so Sean is playing the Richard Gere role. Okay, I like that. Okay, yeah, it's just yeah, interesting parallel. I don't know, honestly. Like, <laughs> do you think character-wise, do you do you think that if if you're like summoning 
the character of Miss, not Mrs. Boswell. Ms. Boswell, oh, yeah. Boswell. Do you think that she had the capabilities to mess up the time? <laughs> or do you think that Sean or his dad messed up the time? Um, I think that because I was hitting on that police officer. Mm-hmm. Okay. That maybe I got busy with him and forgot that I said the wrong date. I don't know. So you're taking the blame. Okay. okay. I will take the fall for this. So, Joe, I guess you are right. Yeah. And that cop let me smoke in there when there was clearly a no smoking sign. <laughs> right behind you. Right behind you the whole time. Yeah. 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 So, and then, you know, when I started flirting with him to try and get a lighter sentence or whatever, because he said, I'm going to try him as an adult. And I'm like, this is our third town in two years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I worked some witchy magic on the police officer, and it's my fault. Okay, I'll take it. It's my fault. <laughs> I think that's our answer, now? Joey. Where is Ms. Ms. whatever? Where am I now? Like, that character. I want you to come back. So we always talk about, like, bringing characters back, mm-hmm. because we watch these movies so deeply, and over and over again, we, you know, we fall in love with, like, all of these smaller roles in the films that, you know, like, your character, like, that we see this great scene, and it's just gone. And now, if Tokyo Drift's playing a huge role in Fast 9, I'm like, where's Sean's mom at, man? We need to bring her back. Well, who's directing that? Justin Lin is bringing it, is doing 9 yeah. again. You're kidding. No. no. Okay, thanks for that tip. I'll, I'll text you. <laughs> I didn't know that. And it's going to be in Tokyo? It seems like they're bringing a lot of the Tokyo guys back, but it's in America now. So it's even closer because I would imagine. So, okay, so let's let's look to the future a little bit. So Sean goes to Tokyo to live with his dad yeah. and then makes a life over there. You're now a single woman living in Arizona, Arizona. right? Yeah. Where do you see Ms. Boswell going over these next 15 years? Like, let's pretend that you come back in a new movie. What have you been up to? Are you are you drag racing now yourself? Where have you gone? Where is Ms. Boswell gone in the 15 years? since we last saw her. <laughs> I think probably I took a real estate course or something. Love oh, it. And I'm selling, like, you know, in these gated communities. Yeah, the Shangri-La. Shangri-La, sure. yeah. You're selling the Shangri-La houses. Right? Maybe the cop and I are together. Ooh, Ooh yes. Right? 100%, for sure. Quite handsome, as I recall. He's a good-looking dude, absolutely. Yeah. God, this is just... <laughs> sorry we're digging. yeah I, I know that you have to be in some weird depths of your brain right now I know, and, sorry for- and you know what it's weird i'm staring at some japanese writing i have hanging on my wall <laughs> and i'm going come on give me something <laughs> i can tell you another funny story about tokyo when i got there i had a friend who was already there and she got me a job at something called they're like hostess clubs yeah i mean it's basically geisha you're a geisha because we would sit with these businessmen, pour them their bourbon, and then one by one we'd get up and sing a song. And they would, we'd hand out maracas and shakers, and these guys would smoke and drink and shake the maracas. And then we kick them out. We get another round of businessmen. This is back when the economy in Japan was crazy, and there were all kinds of businessmen from all over the world. Anyway, but as I walked to this club when I got off the train in Akasaka Mitsuke, I was in an area where there was a lot of mafia. Yeah, you'd see black. Mercedes town cars mm-hmm. all lined up along the street and try not to look too hard, but the driver usually had a perm because for some reason these <laughs> Yakuza were perming their hair. And a lot of these guys were missing a few fingers because if they fucked up, oh, pardon me, I, I didn't have said Oh, no, you're, no, you're totally fine. fine. You're, you're, you're totally fine. fine. I've been, st- I mean, I swear like a trucker, but I've tried not to. This <laughs> no, you're okay. Last half hour. And one day I had my giant bag because I would travel in my jeans and then change at the club into a nice dress. I knocked the side view mirror of one of these cars. Oh. 
And I, no. looked, I looked at the guy and he looked at me and I thought, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's another funny story. My mother was terrified that the Yakuza were going to like kidnap me and put me into white slavery. So she actually <laughs> stitched my passport number into all my underwear. <laughs> Wait, there's more. At the guest oh, man. where I was living in Minataku, or oh God, I can't remember the district I lived in. It was an hour and a half away from my job. There was no dryers. You washed your clothes, you hung them out in the line. Yeah. We had an underwear thief in our neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> you got your passport number now. My passport. Anyway, yeah, Japan. And then I met a Japanese man and I started dating him briefly. And then I came back to Vancouver Weirdly enough, went to see a psychic in Seattle. The long story. I broke my ankle when I came home for that little bit. Oh, no. And it actually stopped me from going back to Japan because there was a part of me that thought I was going to come home in a body bag. And this psychic said, you have terrible karma with Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, really? She said, yeah, like you were a geisha probably 500 years ago uh, in the Edo, when it was Edo, E-D-O. Yeah. And I feel like you had a sister who's with you in this incarnation. And she did your wigs. Huh. Now, wait till you hear this part. My sister, Susan, is an Emmy Award winning hairdresser. And she, oh. her specialty is period wigs. Oh. That is so weird. Isn't that so weird. I know. So, so weird. But also, she said that you were a geisha, but you had an affair with your sister's husband, who was a samurai. And when you tried to leave him, he stabbed you through the heart. Oh. So I never went back to Tokyo. Yeah. No, I wouldn't either. I would steer, steer as far away from there as possible. The psychic was dead on with too much other stuff, right? So, yeah. And, and funnily enough, like, my father was Ukrainian. No, actually Romanian. We've discovered lately that we weren't Ukrainian. We were re- Romanian. His mother looked to me like she was from, like, Nanuvit or somewhere. She looked mm. very Asian. She almost looked like Khrushchev or you know, USSR president with sure. hairy eyebrows. That was my grandmother. When I got to Tokyo, there was a 5,000 yen note. And whoever the guy was on that note looked exactly like my dad. It's just, weird. there was so many weird things that happened. Like the fact that when I came home from my little break from Japan, because it was just so overwhelming there, I was playing basketball down at Oppenheimer Park in Vancouver, which is in Japan town. Okay. I was playing basketball with a bunch of Japanese kids. And I broke my ankle playing basketball with these Japanese kids. Like, there's been this connection uh, to Japan so many times. So crazy, huh? And then I just so crazy. Yeah, and then because of Japan, you're here now too, right? So Tokyo Drift, like Tokyo is just popping up all over the place, right big now. and little. I know, crazy, That's crazy. So it looks like your your most recent thing is the Netflix series, right? Virgin River. Mm-hmm. I have not seen these yet. I hope you will accept my apologies. Uh, but what is Virgin River about? And what's the experience like shooting that? Oh, it's so great. Virgin River is based on some books that a woman wrote, Robin Carr. She wrote 20 books plus. Oh, wow. It's oh. called Virgin River. They've adapted it and made it into a series. And it centers around this. She's a nurse practitioner midwife from California who takes a job in Northern California because so many awful things have happened in her life, including the death of her husband and losing a baby. And she's just like, I have to go somewhere else. Just restart. So she comes to this small town called Virgin River. And the fun thing for me is that, well, Alex Breckenridge, who's the star of the show, 
Alex and I worked together on She's the Man. Beautiful. She, That's she, awesome. She played um, Monica, I think her name was, or she was the bitchy girlfriend of uh, Amanda Bynes' brother. Okay. Oh, yeah. Always, yeah, yeah. She was stomping around all the time with her on <laughs> hair. You know, she's since gotten married and had a couple of babies. I've gotten older, put on a bit of weight. The two of us worked several episodes of Virgin River. And then I went, why does her name seem... I looked her up and I went back to work and went, Alex, you're on my demo reel. We worked together 15 years ago. And she went, what? We Neither of us recognized each other. Isn't that Oh, awesome? that's crazy. I know. Anyway, she's just lovely. Everybody's lovely on that show. And there's several women my age that we call we're called the stitch and bitch crew because it's a- <laughs> <laughs> we sit in the bar and drink tea and knit and gossip i can't knit to save my life <laughs> so i had my friend's mother who's 94 start me a scarf it's never progressed past what she's done because I, <laughs> I drop stitches so that's a lot of fun because it's a lot of actors, friends of mine from Vancouver that I love and adore. And now we all get to play together. That's awesome. Yeah. That's super so cool. cool. I really like it. Now I have one more thing I would like to do yeah. and I hope you will indulge us. So we have created a character quiz. So this is kind of like a BuzzFeed style or like a personality quiz. You don't, you don't need to know anything about the Fast and Furious movies at all. Okay, good. That's good. <laughs> but I would like to, if, if you would like to indulge us, I would like to find out which Fast and Furious character you are. Unfortunately, as of right now, you are not an option. Your character is not an option. You might, we might have to add you in the next we, round. We have now to that add you Now in, that we've yeah. talked to you. Well, you might want me to be another character? Yeah. Yeah, we're, you're going to find out who you are. Like, maybe you'll be Vin Diesel character. Maybe you'll be... I really <laughs> Let's play the game and see what happens. So I got seven questions. They're all just multiple choice. So are you ready? These are very, very hard hitting questions. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes, I'm ready. Question number one, Linda, how fast are you? Are you NASCAR, roller coaster, Lamborghini Murcielago, Toyota Prius, Vespa, or Razor Scooter? Which of those describes how fast you are? My car or me? Just you personally. What's your spirit say? How fast are you? Oh, I'm, I'm fast. I'm up there. I'm not Lamborghini fast. Tires have been kicked a lot. Um, <laughs> what was the next one? What's the next one? So we have a uh, roller coaster, Lamborghini, or Prius. I like the Lamborghini. Or no, sorry, okay. the roller coaster. Roller coaster. Okay. Perfect. Okay. okay. You know it's coming. How furious are you? Are you the Hulk? Are you Kylo Ren from Star Wars? Are you Christian Bale on that one movie set that one time? Are you Mel Gibson? Are you Charlie Brown or are you Jack McBrayer? I rarely get angry, but when I'm okay. when I get angry, it's the Hulk. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I don't turn Perfect. green, I turn red. Okay. Good to know. Good to yeah, know. Yeah. Linda, we're having a barbecue. How are you helping? Are you gonna be on the grill? Are you saying grace? No. Are you I'm kicking a... back with a beer? I'm the bartender. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we'll say kicking back with a beer. You're helping out with the liquor. Okay, yeah. perfect, perfect. Cool. I'll do cleanup. I'll clean up after if someone cooks. Okay, yeah. I like that too. All right, perfect. Okay. You've got time to kill. What are you doing? Are you grabbing a bite, working on a car, hanging with friends, drinking a beer, working out, or just doing some work on your computer? None of the above. A crossword puzzle. Okay, I love it. I do okay. crossword puzzle. I do the New York Times crossword puzzle every day. I love it. Oh my it. god, good for you. I'm I'm not that level. I do it with a friend. It's a it's a way. What's a bonding experience That's for us? Cool. Describe your wedding, either if you are married, if you're your actual wedding or your dream wedding, however you want to answer this question. Okay, I was married a long time ago. So I'm never getting married. So maybe that's not true. It's just me and my partner. It's us and our families. It's a backyard country affair. Everyone I know is there, or I don't remember. 
oh, everyone I know was there. Perfect. I love it. That summer, I was playing Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors in a live... Oh, that's awesome. And my husband, uh, to be, was in Poland shooting a documentary. When he left, we had 50 people on the guest list. When he came back, there were 200. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I cashed some... RRSPs to pay for it because we didn't have any money then. We mean 200 people are coming. (laughs) That was it. Everybody I know. Speaking of the musicals, I just want to take a quick detour for a second. I saw you were in Rocky Horror. Were you Janet? Or who did you play when you played in Uh, in Rocky Horror? Magenta. Wonderful. Love that. I I would play that again in a heartbeat. I love that part. That's a great part. Mm. I love that. Okay, two more questions. Congratulations, Linda. You just won the lottery. What are you buying? Your own garage, like a, like for cars or for however you want to use it. Okay. A private plane. I'm gambling it all away. <laughs> My childhood home, a fleet of cars, or a new life. Mm. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, I, I don't want to buy my childhood home. It's close by here. I'm not, it's not, <laughs> not that far away. Some of my family died there, so I kind of don't want to go back. Oh. Like my mom. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Well, she wouldn't She wouldn't go to the doctor. She said, you're going to have to carry me out of my kitchen, and that's exactly what they had to do. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, she was a tough old broad. Crap, I don't know. I mean, I like buying real estate. Okay. Well, maybe I'd buy a garage and make it into a gym. I think oh. I like that. We've we've had That's a couple cool. of recent people have said that they want to like repurpose that because like we envision, you know, for the Fast and Furious, like for cars, but just like it's your own private space to do whatever you want to do with yeah, it. Yeah, so I, studio, I love a gym. Absolutely. I've got a treadmill out there right now. I, I, Perfect. <laughs> and, a, and a kickboxing bag too. Yeah. <laughs> Expand the gym. The last question is going to determine everything. What is your drink of choice? Is it Belgian ale, Corona, something fruity? water whatever's cheapest or just you know whatever joe's having just one of those two uh none of the above red wine red wine i like malbec well linda you are a ludicrous character you are tej tej (laughs) parker so let's see if this description makes sense for you as a person maybe it does maybe it doesn't it's kind of astrological sign so it kind of applies to everyone so let's see if this is true okay you've got the heart of the racer but the mind of a hacker and you're equally fascinated by the latest tech as a classic engine. You don't shy away from the tough jobs, but you know you don't have anything to prove, so you're just as happy making sure your family has the things they need to accomplish their goals. Other people look at the big picture, but your strength is figuring out the details to make that big picture possible, and you drive Drive like the wind wind blows. blows. Wow, where'd you get that? Our listener (laughs) Wes wrote that. Wow. It's beautiful. Is that pretty accurate? Do you think? I, it feels like it's kind of like the end of that, especially based on how you uh, how you've described yourself, how you see the world. I think yeah. it seems pretty okay. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, congratulations, you are Tej Parker. Now, who's Tej Parker? <laughs> he is. Uh, he's ludicrous. He was not in the movie you were in, but he's in all the movies now. Ludicrous, the, the like rapper? the rapper. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Okay. Cool. Just channeling your inner <laughs> he's ludicrous. A great character. Yeah. He is. Mm-hmm. He's one of our favorites for sure. Oh yeah. Well, and which one would you? recommend if i wanted to catch him in a an ff he enters in the second one so if you want to see him with a big afro he's great in that one or he's in all of them from so you know if you want to see the new one when it comes out supposedly hopefully maybe in may we'll see if that actually happens or not but he's in all of them now so anyone Anyone you you see except for the first one or yours he's in that one so okay so i didn't think he was in the tokyo drift because that's the one i've seen from start to finish yeah the only one (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> it's a, no. no, it's totally fine. You're in it. You beat us, so don't worry. Okay, oh. Well, you know what? It's just I'm always looking for a job, right? So it's like, I guess you, know, you do a movie, it's like, okay, good. And then you fall <laughs> into hey, I gotta get this one. Yeah. 
Like yeah. I supposed to audition for two things this weekend because now everything's on tape. You self-tape yourself. Nobody goes sure. to oh. an audition place anymore. One's for Turner and Hooch, which is shooting oh, series yes. based on the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other was some horror film where I'd get murdered. And I just, <laughs> that's just too downer for me right now. I'd rather just do fun stuff. So I'll bang the Turner and Hooch off and see what happens. I love nice. that. Yeah. Well, Linda, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so thank much you for, for joining time. us today. Seriously. So fun to talk to. And this is my first podcast. My first- is it? Well, welcome. Oh, actually, no, I lied. There is a gal here that does YBR, um, which is the code for the Vancouver airport. Okay. It's called YBR um, Scene Screen. Screen Scene. So this is my second podcast. Well, we're thrilled to have you either way. Yeah, seriously. Very fun. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. If people want to, are you, I don't know if you're on, are you on social media? Do you want people to follow you or do you want to live a life of privacy? No, no, they can go ahead. It's Linda Boyd Media. And Linda is spelt with a Y. So it's like mm-hmm. Linda Boyd Media, all one word. And that's excellent that's platform on Instagram and what's the other one? Twitter? Yeah, Twitter. I hardly <laughs> use it anymore because I mostly post pictures of my dog. <laughs> that's perfect. You're not really allowed to like take pictures at work. Yeah. Although I was allowed to, put, I have a great picture of me with the two guys from Supernatural. Oh, that's awesome. I'll treasure, but they, they're cool with me. And also too, I, I worked with Danny Boyle. Um, in Rome a couple of years ago. He did a series based on John Paul Getty Jr. getting his ear. Oh, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I to go to Rome and work with Danny Boyle, who's one of my favorite directors. I said to him, I promise I won't post this. And he goes, oh, go ahead and post it. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. Well, Linda, thank you so so very much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. It's great talking to you. 